Unique Raquel Leona Harris was a 24-year-old from Washington, D.C. She was the mother of two and was getting ready to go to massage therapy school. On the night of October 9, 2010, Unique put her children and cousin to bed. When the kids woke up the next morning, Unique was gone. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Dunsell, and this is Unfound. Even as a non-parent, I can say there's nothing much more cuter and soothing and peaceful than seeing a child asleep. Whether it's in a crib or a bunk bed, which is what I had, or just the couch. Eyes closed, limbs spread out in a way that would give most adults muscle cramps, maybe a little slobber dribbling from the corner of the mouth, and their dreams What do you think kids dream about? I mean, their life experiences are limited at that point. Their minds don't have much to tap into. My own dreams, sometimes they take me back 40 years to my childhood, taking place in the old house on Godfrey Road. But for Tykes, a few years don't seem like enough time to provide a large variety of unconscious thoughts. But I suppose their little brains are doing something. Personally, I don't remember doing any dreaming as a child. Either way, kids can sleep. And I can't help but think all of us adults should have never argued when our parents wanted to put us down for a nap. I mean, really. Did we really all argue with that? Well, in the disappearance of Unique Harris, it was a night like any other. She tucked in her two kids and her cousin. But then the next morning... Unique was gone, and we're left to figure out what happened while the children slept. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Good's website, charlieproject.org. Unique Harris lived a clean and moral life in Richmond, Virginia. This is where she had her two sons. However, the relationship with their father didn't go the way she planned. So Unique and her children moved back to the Washington, D.C. area to be closer to family, not long before Unique disappeared. This move allowed Unique to prepare to go back to school. In the meantime, she looked for part-time work to hold her over until classes began. In addition, during those few weeks between moving to D.C. and disappearing, Unique started a relationship with a new man. Distressingly, Just weeks before she disappeared, Unique witnessed a murder right outside her apartment. Yet this didn't deter her from staying in that building. So on December 9, 2010, Unique's nine-year-old cousin was sleeping over. Around 9 p.m., Unique put her two sons and the little girl to bed. In later conversations, the children stated they thought Unique would sleep on the couch that night. When the children awoke the next morning, 
Unique wasn't there. She was never seen again. There were no signs of violence, and the only items missing were Unique's house keys and phone. Also, the kids heard nothing unusual during that night, thus could give no ideas as to what happened. There are quite a few different theories regarding Unique's disappearance, but each seems to have a confounding issue. The new boyfriend has an alibi of being in West Virginia at the time. Unique's ex has an alibi of being in Richmond, 90 miles away, at the time. Also, the police have seemingly determined Unique's disappearance has nothing to do with her witnessing the murder. Yet questions regarding none of those topics remain. Number one, why would Unique, who could barely see without her glasses, leave them in her bedroom when she was sleeping on the couch 30 feet away? Number two, if Unique was abducted, why was the door to the apartment locked? Would a kidnapper really lock it on the way out? And number three, likewise, if Unique voluntarily left the apartment alone or with someone else, why would she leave the children there alone? Ten years into this disappearance, and Unique's family still has no solid theories as to what happened to Unique. The guest for this episode is Unique's mother, Valencia Harris. Unfound news. I want to remind everyone that this weekend, September 19th and 20th, there will be a search of the area around where Jacob Paddock Weeks's truck was found, near Indian Hills, Colorado, on Route 285. If you are interested in helping, please go to the Jacob Weeks's search page on Facebook for more information. Next, as many of you already know, Eric Franks' car has been found. It seems it was in a garage in Saginaw, Michigan all this time. If you will go to either the Unfound podcast discussion group or Unfound's page on Facebook, you will find pictures of the outside of the residence where the car was stashed. Do you see the difference in the pictures? Eric, however, has still not been found. Finally, next Thursday and live on the Nova Southeastern University's YouTube channel at 7 p.m. Eastern, I will be joining Dr. Grace Telesco again. I think this is the third time. We will be discussing the disappearance of Eric Alvarado and most likely general topics regarding missing persons cases. Please tune in. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Deezer, Facebook, and YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us on our podcast channel for the Unfound live show. All of you can talk with me and I can answer your questions. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. This week for Patreon, I need to thank Katie and Tink. You can also contribute at PayPal, paypal.me forward slash unfoundpodcast. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound, the mother of Unique Harris, Valencia Harris. Valencia, welcome to Unfound. Well, thank you for having me, Ed. I appreciate you taking interest in Unique you're very, very welcome. And uh, let's start right here. Let's just talk about 
uh, your family in general. How many children, including Unique, do you have? I have three. Unique is my oldest daughter. All right. And uh, you have two other daughters, a son and a daughter. What are the what are another daughter and a son? Okay. My son is in the middle. Okay, son's in the middle, sandwiched by two girls. How did he handle that? <laughs> true, true, true. I don't think you know he has a problem with it at this point. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. All very close in age or spread out? Well, actually, all of their birth dates are 10 days apart, which has always been, you know, a source of, uh, you know, interest for people. I bet. Unique, uh, my son is January 21st, Unique is January 31st, and my youngest daughter is February 11th. Wow, my niece's is February 11th. My niece, Ashley, that's interesting. Okay. Oh, my goodness, yes, and my youngest daughter's name is Ashley. Wow. So, well, Ashley's become a very popular name, so maybe that's not uh, surprising. Okay, so you have... Three children, uh, two girls, and a boy. Uh, how would you say that Unique was being the oldest uh, oldest uh, child? Uh, look out for her younger brother and sister. How, what kind of older sister was she? Most definitely, most definitely. She always felt like, you know, she had to take care of them and, you know, make sure they were okay, as well as me and anybody that was in Unique's arena. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> type of person that she is, um, I repost um, a uh, post that I received from a young lady that Unique had helped um, when um, Unique took her and her baby in. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, Unique had taken her and her baby in, um, and that's a long story. Okay. But, well, that know, sounds very considerate of her. Yeah, how old, How old? when did that happen? Do you know what year or how old Unique was when she did that? That was, she was probably between, I want to say 18 and 20. Wow. 18 and 20 or 18 and 22, something like that. Wow. And at yeah. that point, Unique would have already had at least one child of her own, and then she was doing this for somebody else. Exactly. Wow. That's how Unique is, and she's always been that way. Um, as I've said before in so many other interviews, as well as this just being the natural facts mm-hmm. from the time Unique was a small child, she always had that, I like to call it maternal queen instinct about her. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. My little princess. Your little princess. Okay. Uh, what was she into? Like, uh, did she have any interests or hobbies, academics, uh, sports, music? What were some of the things that really interested her as a young woman? Well, a lot of what interested Unique was, um, I think she was interested in music. She liked music um, more than I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she liked music more than I do. Um, she was into, like, Christy. She's like a Christy girly girl, you know, she heard one of her favorite things or a collection that she had, um, which I had to take out of her apartment in 2010, of her purses. She's always been a dainty pretty. <laughs> wow. Is this like... uh day one, and I think it's my fault, Ed. I started <laughs> with her little ruffly lace socks when she was a baby and stuff like uh... that. 
That's funny. So are we talking like uh, when you say purses, like high-end purses or all across the, the spectrum? All across the spectrum, all across the spectrum. And, you know, um, that was one of the things when uh, I, I realized that, you know, Unique was gone, yeah. that was left behind. Right. So that was like a trigger for me along with her glasses, like something's really happened to her. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that, right? Couldn't see a good five or ten feet in front of her without her glasses. Yeah, yeah. Mom, I've been buying her glasses since she was a child. Yeah, yeah, and uh, maybe that we should talk about that. From an early point in her life, she needed glasses. Uh, her eyesight, uh, even as a, a little kid, was... Um, Pretty pretty bad. Oh yes, 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 yes. I think I we started we realized what was going on between K and two, like um, mm-hmm. second grade between kindergarten and second grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a conversation with one of her teachers at the time, and she suggested that we move unique desk closer to the board. And I was like, closer to the board? Why would she need to be moved closer to the board? And that's when she told me she felt like, you know, Unique had a problem with her vision. And lo and behold, I took her to the eye doctor outside of the eye exam she was already having in school and and, and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I took her to the eye doctor and I had to buy her glasses every since up until she became an adult and started buying her own. But either way, it was a necessity. Wow. Huh. Okay. And that will, of course, like you said, that will play uh, a role later. You you mentioned school. Uh, Graduate from high school, go to college, what kind of uh, education? And I know we have to, of course, talk about how she was uh, going to be attending massage therapy school. What do we want to talk about regarding her education? Well, she graduated from John Marshall High School in 2004. That was my first baby to graduate, so I was just like totally ecstatic. Uh-huh. Um, I have a picture on my uh, screensaver now on my phone of her graduation day. And I think I was probably smiling more than she was. Uh, is this, I've seen <laughs> this picture. I had her diploma in my hand. <laughs> is this the picture I've seen with her with the white uh, cap on? Yeah, yeah. yeah, white cap. I've seen this picture. It's on her profile here that I see here. Um, I still have her cap and gown, Ed. Oh, do you? Wow. Yes, I still have her cap and gown. Wow. Since you graduated high school. Since you went to the prom. Yeah, right. Wow. Since you graduated high school, did she start college or did she get a job? What did she do after high school? Well, after high school, she got a job. She started working at Subway and then... um. We had uh, relocated to Richmond, Virginia, and she um, was living there for a while. That's where my grandsons um, came into play. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, already that she was, when she got back to D.C. in June of 2010, she had signed up for massage therapy school with Centura College out in, it's either Virginia, um, because they had contacted me, ooh, I guess a week or two after her abduction, and I had to explain to them 
was going on while they were explaining to me that she had applied for financial aid and gotten approved. All right. So you were you excited about her going to massage therapy school? Was that something oh, you supported? Yes. yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Anything positive or constructive yeah. with my children, I'm always going to, you know, you know, support them. Mm-hmm. Now, how they receive that report, support is something different. Yeah. But that's my job as their mom to support them and my grandchildren as well. Sure. So I have grandbabies. I, I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. I know. Yes. All right. So she got some uh, work out of high school, working at Subway. But uh, then later, of course, uh, the year that she disappeared, she was going to be going to massage therapy school. But somewhere in there, uh, like you said, she had a couple kids. Um, maybe just, of course, we're not going to mention their names. We're not going to mention the father's name either for the purposes of this interview. But how did you feel about becoming... Uh, a grandmother for the first time when she had her first and then her second. Now I gotta tell you this, and this is a true story. Please, my grand, my oldest grandson Richard. That's my baby. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna name his name because that's my baby. All right. I can name that that's I your choose. choice. Your choice. Absolutely. Right. Right. I got. I got you. But he came home on Christmas Eve. And he came home on Christmas Eve, so for 2004, that was my Christmas present from Unique. I told her I didn't even need nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Santa Claus did well that year. Yes, he did. Okay, great. He did. Great. And And when did the second one come along? Your Andre was born in 2006, and your Andre was born actually on... Birthday. Your whose birthday? My grandfather's. Your birthday. grandfather's birthday. My grandson was born on my grandfather's birthday. Wow! So his so his great great grandfather. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's interesting. Isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's, I have precious jewels, and yeah. I have precious jewels as well as my other two grandbabies. You know. Yeah. Like, Yeah, you got to treat everybody as a grandmother. You got to treat everybody equally, right? That's what you got to do. Exactly. Same way with the children and the grandchildren. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't have any children, or hence no grandchildren, but I know how that can be. That you got to you got to treat them all with the same equal uh, equal amount of love. That's certainly true. Exactly. Certainly and they true. would not, they would be upset with me if I had mentioned. Okay. Well, they they are mentioned. <laughs> How uh, how did you now? You've already said though that uh, she was in Richmond, but you said that she moved back to Washington D.C. You know, with the children, without the the children's father. And I'm not here to get into deep people into relationships. Did the relationship just not work out, or you know, how would you portray that? If no, it did work out, and you know, Unique wanted a change of scenery as as well as change of you know stressors in her life, the whole nine yards. So mm-hmm. that's another reason why she had moved back to DC, as well as the fact that I had moved back to DC. Oh, okay. In Virginia Union College. Okay, gotcha. All right, so she moves back and you, with uh, her two children in 2010, the year she disappeared. And the father of those children, he stayed in Richmond. Yes. Okay. 
And um, how was everything when she moved closer back to you? She, I guess she had her own place uh, with her two children, and she was living close to you. How was that? How did that all work out in 2010? Well, I thought it was working out well, Ed. You thought so. All right. Between June and October the 10th of 2010, right. something went horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, to be honest with you, was happy because Unique and I were born in D.C., so I was happy, you know, that I had came back and she had came back to D.C. Yeah. And, you know, even to this day, I have a bittersweet relationship in my mind as far as the D.C. of my birthplace. Yeah. You know, it gave me life, but it also took something from me. At least, right. <laughs> well, how? But, but how before she? But before she disappeared. But though, you know, of course, of course, that. I mean, that's why we're talking about it. But that that summer, let's say, when she moved back, I mean, was everything getting along fine? You were getting to see her more. You're getting to see your grandbabies. Yeah, I guess. We I guess all that. It was good up until October. Yes, we registered the boys for school. You know, she had. Um, Started out, because um, as you already know, um, she only lived in her apartment that she was taken from for five weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. For those five weeks, she was staying with me until she moved into her apartment. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, yeah. And in that time frame from June to October, we were like, you know, and actually um, the end of September, we were actually getting the children. The children had been registered for school. They had started going to school. You know, Elite was a very active mom when it came to their school, you know. Um, and, you know, even the teachers at my grandson's school were totally befuddled mm-hmm. when I had to go in there and explain to them what had happened because yeah. their school actually was closer to where I lived at the time than Unique. Hmm. But she was still only like five minutes away. Okay. Which gave me a false sense of security, of course. Right. Right. When she moved back to Washington, D.C., and she was living with you, did she get a... Was she working? Of course, we know she was applying to school, but uh, was she yeah. just working or just being a mom while you were going to work? Once again, while you were living together, what was going on there? Right, and she was also applying for work as well. Yeah. She, was, she had an idea to work and go to school. So mm-hmm. she was applying for jobs as well. Okay. Yeah. Why Why was it then uh, eventually being that she was living with you? There, at least it sounds like everything was fine. Why do you think that she ended up moving out and getting her own place? Oh, and that's because uh, I raised my children to be fiercely independent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though, you know, I have reassured her on multiple occasions <laughs> that she could, you know, stay with me as long as she needed to, you know, yeah. I raised her to be independent. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah, yeah. I, I rep my independence to a fault myself, so um, I'm probably the only person that can understand that fully. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I want you to know, you sound like my mother. My mother's deceased now, but I'm telling you, she raised her son to be very independent. But on the other hand, 
it would have been perfectly fine with her if I was still living at home at the age of 48. That would have I been know, right? yeah, that would have been um, now my dad not so much, but my mother absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's how I was feeling like, yeah, sure, you and the grandbaby, come on, yeah, y'all come on. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I get it. I, I think I see your side of it and I certainly see her side of it. If you raised her to be independent, then of course she wants to be her own woman, you know, with her children. So I, I get it. And she found that place that, you know, she eventually found. Now, somewhere in here, though, she did uh, start uh, She'd start dating a new guy. We're, we're not going to mention his name. But um, how did you feel about that? Did you get to meet him? And, you know, how did you think the relationship was going, your opinion? Yeah, I didn't. I mean, she was 24 at the time, so, you know, and then they hadn't dated that long. So I never really, really, I guess, got a chance to form an opinion of him that quickly. Mm-hmm. Did I did I see somewhere in here that they met uh, at a July Fourth party or something like that? Did you tell me? Uh, family reunion. We family had, reunion. Uh, okay. Family reunion. Um, in DC. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. And do you have any idea how often uh, we're going to talk a little bit about him in a second? But do you know how often uh, they were seeing each other? Um, once a week, once a month, or you know, do you have any any ideas at all? It was probably more like I don't know. I I couldn't say for sure. Fairly regular. I'm not sure whether I could say daily or you know weekly or not or anything like that because at that particular time I was really really on my grind and my hustle is you know yeah. really trying to you know make ends meet and you know I had multiple jobs and. Wow. Ooh, I mean, okay. And still do, but um, yeah. Okay. All right, that's great. So she starts this new relationship. Uh, they met at a family reunion. I guess he must have known somebody else in your family and was there or something or or. I believe so. I believe it was that that some type of connection like that that um how they connected. Okay. So like a. Friend of a family member, something like that. Yeah, because even after the scenario, I had an opportunity to have a conversation with him and, you know, myself before, you know, I guess I even realized he may have, he may have or have not paid, played a part in it um, mm-hmm. as far as relationship-wise. You understand what I'm saying? I do. So I had to talk to him, and the vibe that I got from him was that, no, there's no way that he would have had anything mm-hmm. to do with okay. that. You know, that's from our okay. brief interaction where I was kind of like specifically questioning him right. about well, certain things face-to-face because I wanted to talk to him face-to-face. Right. Well, we were going to talk about that uh, for sure. Uh, but we have to understand, though, in talking about him, though, that it seems like they had some sort of long-distance relationship because, once once again, from what you told me, uh, during that summer and then into September, October, he was working for Job Corps in West Virginia, right? As far as the information I had. Okay. All right. And do you have, once again, your knowledge, did he ever come back like on a weekend or something to see um, Unique? Did she ever go to see him? Once again, any, any – Not any, to my knowledge. 
All right. Okay. And we'll come back to him. All right. And then we have to – I think we have to talk about this. Being that she moved and took her children to Washington, D.C. from the Richmond area, which you know, an hour and a half away, how did her ex uh, feel about this? Um, because it, it is public information that they had some sort of uh, custody support hearing coming up or something like that. How were those two getting along once she moved back to D.C.? Well, uh, it really was, as far as I know, no interaction between my grandson's father and Unique from mm. the time she had moved back to D.C. Now, if it was, I don't know about it. All right. You can only tell us what I you know. Thank you. Know, Thank I can't, you. you know, personally speak on and say, well, yeah, I had heard them having conversations or nothing like mm-hmm. that. If you don't know, you don't know. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, but they, but once again, did they did they have some sort of hearing coming up sometime in later October into November? Or, you know, was I, I'm just I don't know. I'm just asking. Was he not paying his child support, or was there some sort of problem there? To your knowledge? Well, I had some um, information that there was a court date coming up. Okay. Okay. My own personal information mm-hmm. that they had a court date coming up. Okay. Okay. Now, when I questioned him about that, he stated to me at that time that he didn't know anything about it. And as far as that goes, you know, I'll just leave that right there. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Being that I I know you and you were very close, Uh, you told me that you talked to her, you know, basically every day. Um, You probably got to see her a lot once you moved back to Washington, D.C., did she ever say anything about a custody hearing of any kind coming up, ever? She never told me about it, no. No. Okay. No. Right. I mean, I know they have been having, you know, uh, child support payment. Yeah. Court date, but this specific one, yeah. no, he didn't tell me about. I didn't, didn't know about that. I had to find that out after the fact. All right. Her All right. So, but... But unique yours, uh, herself, your daughter, you're very close to her. She never said anything like that. About court date? Yes. Any trial or hearing. I don't want to make it sound like a trial, like a hearing, you know, in front of some government official regarding anything having to do with their children. Not that specific. Not that specific one that, you know, I found out about after the fact that I know they had had court dates prior court dates prior to that because that was like a two-year battle that had been going on at the time. Wow. Okay. Uh, Was it, to use your words, was it a battle or was it something that you think that they were just uh, going to eventually iron out or was it uh, contentious? Well, I think um, anytime you have two people involved in a young relationship, it can get contentious quickly. Okay. Okay. And um, I'm not going to speak on, you know, other things in my daughter's personal life that was going on. Mm -hmm. But what I will say is that, you know, she was in a situation where she moved to another state. And apparently, you know, my grandson's father, like I'm saying, this last court date. Yes. They had. I didn't know anything about it, but I did know they had court dates prior. Prior to her because going missing. Like I said, this was 
two years court situation going on. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as far as whether he did or did not know, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I've had a conversation with him about as far as his answer. He said no. I can't. He said he didn't know about it. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. And we'll talk about them later. And, and I know, you know, just because of the way disappearances in general not, are, not just uniques, but many, that when women go missing, of course, you know, some of the popular suspects, person of interest, boyfriends, husbands, ex-boyfriends, ex-husbands, lovers, and everything. But we'll talk about them a little bit later. And I think probably people are going to, you know, probably think that maybe these two had obviously had nothing to do with the disappearance. But we, do, I do have to ask you questions about them. Um, I want to make it perfectly clear. I'm not saying whether they did or not. No, I know. Absolutely not. Uh, great. Yeah, for the record, for the listeners, uh, you should know Valencia has uh, no opinion on that. She's not pointing fingers at anything else. I'm just at, trying to ask her factual questions just so we make sure we understand the exact situation. That's that's all we're trying to do. We're just trying to keep any vagueness out of it, and um, she's not issuing any allegations against anybody, period, period. Uh, let's move on to this. Now, this once again is also public information, and so I feel like I have to ask you about it. Unique, she hadn't been living in this apartment very long, but she witnessed the shooting. Did Do you remember the day, the morning, the night when she told you that she saw this? I mean – Maybe you can just I remember ex- it vividly because my daughter called me hysterical about a deceased body, you know, under wow. her window. She was on the top floor of the building. Wow. And all I could tell my daughter to do was get away from the window because I didn't know what, you know, you know, it was apparently from what I understood of what she was saying, like, you know, you can see it from her window. Mm-hmm. But from the information I got, the case has been resolved. And yeah. you need that it's not supposed to have right. anything to do with unique abduction. Right. The police have told you that this uh, this murder that which occurred right outside her window ha- has nothing to do – the police have told you that. It has nothing to do with her disappearance, in their opinion. Nothing is, can be connected. That was my understanding. Yes, it was. Okay. And the listeners should know, in fact, already we're doing this interview on September 15th, 2020. I've already posted something on Facebook in the discussion group and on the page regarding that shooting uh, and at least the very, very general details of when it happened, at what time, and who was involved so they can read it for themselves. Uh, was the unique the one? To your knowledge, was she the one that called nine one one? Did she hear that it was a it was a shooting? Did she hear the gunshots? And I mean, did, was she oh, very explicit wow. with you or what? Oh, she didn't say anything. She was on the phone with me, and I think mm. she would have told me, or I would have even told her to call nine one one, you know, for some emergency assistance for the person. Mm. But no, uh uh-uh. uh. Okay. All right. So, are are you saying then? That uh, she just kind of saw it after it was done, or something like that. She just... uh, I guess at this point, yeah, with with information that I have, that I have, yeah. Okay. All right. So those are some of the things that were going on in Unique's life uh, not long before she disappeared. She had this boyfriend who was living in West Virginia. 
she had this ex uh, seemed to be having some custody issues with, maybe child support, maybe something else, but it should be known that he still lived in Richmond, Virginia, uh, over 90 miles away. And then it, she moves into this apartment complex, and not long after that, there's a shooting in which uh, a man is murdered. And, oh, I shouldn't say murdered. He was killed. We don't know. It, might, it could have been self-defense. We don't know. But somebody, a man did die from a shooting right outside her apartment. At the time, did Unique ever express any... Uh, and, that was supposed, and, and that was supposed to be a mutual combat type of situation. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It just. I, I don't know the resolution to that. Uh, there's no resolution as to whether the shooter who killed the other guy uh, went to jail or not. It very well could have been a. I don't want to say murder because it, it could have been a self-defense situation. I don't know. All I know is one guy shot another guy, and the guy that got shot died. So I don't. I don't know. Okay. I don't I don't know. Um but there was this guy who died from a shooting outside and at any point did Unique think Sadia maybe I should move somewhere else? Did she continue to feel safe in that apartment in in your opinion? Well, I mean, it was only five it was only five weeks she was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it takes a while for you to uh, you know, some things just happen. Right. You know, yeah. Sometimes things like that because I've moved into complexes before where things happen. Mm -hmm. You know, for probably a couple of months or so, at least probably sometimes even more than that, and wasn't like okay, let's go. Okay. Yeah, you just have to. Okay. Yes. You know, you 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 can't let the world do that to you. Okay. All right. I got it. So she was in, uh, intent, uh, content in staying in an apartment, and she, of course she was in there with her children. As far as safety goes, yes, as far as safety goes. Now, there were some other issues that she had with, um, you know, some uh, maintenance things that had needed to be, you oh, know, okay. taken care of in her apartment. Um, mm -hmm. One thing was, you know, I was totally just disgusted at the fact that, you know, unique frame of her door looked like it had been battered. Oh. And I didn't feel secure about that part, wow. but I thought I still had security with the intercom that was, you know, outside of her building Busted. where you had to let people in, but apparently that wasn't working. Like the cameras around, it wasn't wow. working. Okay. Anyway. All right. Okay. So we had some things going on there, but unique. Even after this uh, man died outside, she was content on living there, and she, and she continued to live there. And um, it just sounds like she had some maintenance issues, which anybody who's ever lived in an apartment complex knows. Sometimes it can take a while for things to get fixed, no matter where you live. All right. Anything that uh, now you know, almost ten years in. Anything that you look back at now that. In those maybe weeks before she disappeared, that seems unusual. Something maybe you didn't notice at the time that now all these years later you think back and think, well, there was something off, something that she said, uh, anything like that that uh, you know didn't seem strange at the time, but maybe catches your attention now regarding those weeks well, before her disappearance. Or has caught my attention since. Yeah. Um, there was, you know, when I had to. Of course, go through unique things and move her things out of, and all that sort of. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just saying. Anything time you talked to her on the phone, did she kind of ever seem like she? There was something on her mind that she couldn't talk to you about. You know, 
that might have led you to believe, you know, maybe at the time you just thought, well, she's just a little down, but now you look back at it now and say, maybe there was something going on with her and somebody and she didn't want to tell me about it. Anything like that before she disappeared? Anything. Actually, no, because me and Unique had a pretty open relationship with each other. Um, still, you know, I know her being probably my most sensitive and thoughtful and sweetest child that, um, you know, she would told me anyway mm. to keep me from worrying. Right. Well, kids do that. I do that too. Yeah. I'm I 50 and I do that. Yeah. I'm 50 and I still do that with my dad. So I, I know that feeling. Okay. Exactly. So we come to October 8th, 2010. And what went on uh, this day? Uh, of course, she was there. She has her kids there, but uh, I guess she had her niece over as well. And do you know October the 9th? October the 9th. I'm sorry, October the 9th. And so October the 9th, she has her kids, and she then has uh, her niece there as well. Uh, do you know what they did? Did they go out? Did they just stay at home? Do you know any of her movements for that day? dropped her daughter and how old is that daughter I know there's different reports she might have been 8 she might have been 9 how do you remember how old do you think she was at the oh time? my god my baby was turning 10 it was her birthday weekend wow she was turning 10 this, this is my great niece and it was her birthday weekend which I think is another reason that your niece has her you know over with her and the boys you know trying to reconnect my grandsons with their common occurrence uh, that this uh, little girl was over with Unique sleeping over? Fairly common. Well, Unique had just moved back to D.C. My great niece mm -hmm. and her mom lived in, lived in D.C. at the time. So it was not a commuting back and forth regularly right. from Richmond to D.C. scenario. No. Right. Okay. So this might have been the first time since Unique moved back to D.C. that this little girl had stayed over with Unique? Might have yeah, been. like I said, like a reconnection because oh, Unique and my great mom um, had been high school classmates oh. as well as, you know, I, I consider my great niece's mom to be a daughter to me, like a daughter to me. Um, because she's been so supportive over these last 10 years, but also because her and Unique have formed a bond, a sisterly bond, before all of this happened. She, she, she's been, you know, very, very distraught, you know, um, about this to the point where she's reached out and, you know, helped me in any way I can, and I still have contact with her to this day, my great niece, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm thankful for that because, you know, a lot of people don't even understand her daughter could have been taken as well. Sure. 
work. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Like my last son. So she actually was one of the first people. I love my baby Tiffany to death because she was one of the first people that, you know, um, really dug her heels in. Really dug her heels in, you know, to help me. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, what, uh, of course, I, I need to ask you this, though. Uh, of course, uh, you know, uniques to uh, kids, two children, probably a little young, but maybe the older one, that was being that she was going to be turning 10, um, did she, you know, maybe tell your family or maybe the police talked to her? I don't know. But did she say, like, what time Unique put them to bed and, you know, was Unique, you know, going into her room? What did that little girl remember about that night before? Well, I can't even go into detail about what they told the child forensic psychologist that, right. you know, and psychiatrist that all of the children that were apartment included my grandson had to go through because, you know, according to the information I got, that was information that couldn't be privileged to me. Okay. And as a matter of fact, you know, when my grandsons, when I took them for these interviews, I was not even privy to them. Right. Okay. You know, I don't know whether they were, what do you call it, like debriefing or something like that? Yeah, interview them. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure, you know. Okay. What, and that was a, a very, very hard time for me because I was like, no, I should be there with them. Right. Because remember now, they were only like, what, three and five at Three and five, yeah, three and five, I got gotcha. you. So, you know, but. But what it, let, let me then put it this way. Did the nine-year-old, almost ten-year-old, you know, after the fact, tell you or tell her mother what she remembered about that night before? Just tell you personally, if you can say. No, actually, Ed, we have tried to shield the children from anything that they didn't want to voluntarily tell us. Okay. But they know that we're here. If they ever want to talk about anything that they may remember, and we're not going anywhere, and we will put our lives on the line to protect them. Okay. So just as an example, this is only an example. So as an example, uh, the children have never said what time Unique put them to bed or anything like that. No, I, that, I, I'm just going by the last time I talked to them. That's all I can speak on is the last time I talked to them. And then when I did talk to them at that time, I talked to all of them, if I'm not mistaken. And my dad talked to all of them. Okay. All right. And so they've never really been very um, uh, descriptive about that night before, what Unique was doing, if she was staying on the couch, if they went to the bed at, at 9 o'clock or anything like that. If they if there's any information available like that, I don't have that information, and I have not been privy to that information. Now, with the you know the child psychologist and psychiatrist back at that time told the DC Police Department that I have no knowledge of. Okay, and they've never offered it up once again. Uh, she was almost ten at the time, so that little girl would now only uh, I guess almost be twenty, and then of course. <laughs> Unique uh, children, uh, sons are, uh, I guess, 15 and 13, something like that, somewhere around there. Oh, 
<laughs> okay. We're getting old too fast, growing up too fast. I want your listeners to know this part as well. Uh-huh. Phoenix sons have blossomed to the point where now they're growing mustaches and they're having little girls oh, in my. their and, and I don't know how grandma can take that, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, I want your, your listeners and your viewers and you, all of you supporters to know that the boys. Wow. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> All right, so we're um, maybe at least a little unclear about what time you know the the kids went to bed because I think you had told me in one of our conversations that your impression that was that Unique was on the couch that she was sleeping on the couch or something like that. Yes, that she had went back out to the living room um, and was watching TV, laying on the couch. Um, and okay. had a pillow on the couch. Oh, there was a pillow on the couch. Okay. Yes. All I right. There was a pillow on the couch or the cot one, one or the other. Okay, we'll come back to that. You just make me a little rough. Okay, that's fine. Totally fine. But I remember the main stuff. Okay, that's fine. Well, I, I, I know you do. All right, so we go into the next morning, and we'll talk about this uh, phone call later, but. Uh, what happens that next morning? Uh, of course, the, the children are there, and we now know that Unique disappeared sometime during the night. But your understanding, what happens that next morning that uh, these kids wake up, and of course, Unique is not there? What happens next? Oh, boy. Okay. The children wake up. Unique's not there. My great niece calls her mother. Her mother um, tried to call Unique on her phone, didn't get an answer, so she called my great niece back and told my great niece to call her when Unique got back. Okay. Now, when I asked my great niece's mother about that, she, you know, worried me for one thing unnecessarily. Right. For another thing, she thought it may have been a situation where Unique may have dashed out to, you know, the the, the closest store or something like that, and you know, to get something, you know, last minute for the children's breakfast or whatever, and would be back. Well, by the time I found out, it was like at least probably three or four, three thirty or four thirty. I want. But the children had woken had awoken like I wanna say like between eight thirty and nine thirty that morning. Yeah. So between those time frames, um I believe if I'm not mistaken and if my recall is correct, my great niece's mom was talking back and forth to my great niece throughout the day. You know, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, doing status checks as to whether Unique had come back. Come back yet, yeah. So by the time she contacted me, my first thought was, well, wait a minute. You, nobody's seen or heard from you when the kids woke up? Yeah. So in that time frame, we adults. My great niece's mother, me, and my 
drive, you know, go into motion, trying to go over to the apartment, make sure the children were secured. My great niece's mother had a preset time with Unique that particular day that she was supposed to be picking my great niece up because, again, it was my great niece's birthday weekend. Yeah. And at that point in time, that's when we just emerged to get the children and then figure out the rest later. Right. Figure out the rest later. Okay. But so what time? My thing was so, just call the police. Right. <laughs> Somebody has taken my freaking child. Yeah. Yeah. So who was the first adult that arrived at Unique's apartment? I guess it would be in your uh, this girl, this woman named Tiffany, the great niece's mother. Was Actually, it was between her and my dad. Okay. I'm not sure which one got there first. Like I said, okay. Because, or like I said, we were conversing as far as to getting the children, you know, with a supervised scenario. Right. And at the time, um, I was was kind of like nursing myself at this point back to health from my leg being broken because mm-hmm. I had just broken my leg September the 19th mm-hmm. of 2010 and that was another facet of unique personality that you know I miss so dreadfully right now at that time unique was also kind of rehabbing me with my broken leg, like bringing me food every day and, you know, coming to my apartment, you know, getting the children to and from school to make sure I was okay and I had everything I needed. And mm-hmm. Okay. So when Tiffany and your father get over there, the first adults, whoever was first, uh, just from their, of course, very amateur layperson point of view – any signs of violence? Any signs that uh, somebody had broken into the apartment? Any broken items in the apartment, like a lamp or anything else? Or was everything looked just pretty regular from their well, from my, their site? Well, the version that from my dad that I got was um, that he, it seemed like Unique's curses had been um, scattered throughout the apartment, but we couldn't tell whether that was from her, you know, unpacking mm-hmm. or moving or, you know, something else. We mm-hmm. we just don't know. Right. Okay. Because, like I said, my daughter had curses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but no sign. But no signs. Uh, of course, we might say that maybe her purses were spread out like that because somebody was no, in there looking no, for money no, or something. No, but no, no don't sign know. of like a struggle yes, or, you know, that's what I'm asking. anything like that. Okay. However, I had my dad, after we had secured the children to take me back to that apartment, um, it took me a while to get up all them stairs because I had a boot on my leg and crutches. Yeah. But I finally got up those stairs, and when I got up those stairs, and went through unique door still. It's just like I don't know whether to call it a a eerie feeling, a chill, mm-hmm. you know, or what to call it, but it it just was something that was just off. Yeah. It was off. Okay. 
And there was, I saw no struggle, no sign of blood anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. no sign of, you know, pulse, you know, furniture, you know, drawers. I saw no signs of stuff like that. But I also have to say that at that time, I was existing. Right. And just going through the motion. Yeah, kind of on autopilot. Here, but not here. Because mm. all I could think about at that time was I know damn well ain't nobody touched and taken my child. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's just still not real to me at that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not real to me. Yeah, your mind's your mind's racing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you're not the first uh, mother to be on the program. I just yeah. got out of the hospital, you know, from my leg surgery. It was just, it was a messy time back then. But I can say, I still feel the same anger that somebody had the audacity, whoever. It was to touch my child and take her from her children. That's the mm-hmm. hardest part of this whole 10 years is not knowing. I don't know what happened to my daughter. Yeah. And any parent can imagine how that feels a whole decade later. This is 10 years coming up. And then I still have people, you know, that just feel like I should just, you know, I guess go on with my life and leave this in my past. It's never going to be in my rear view because this is my child. You know, Ed, we've had conversations back and forth over the last couple of days, so, you know. Sure, we have. Yes, we have. Yeah, yeah. Did you, uh, given it was that day, October 10th, 2010, uh, did somebody end up calling the police before that day was over to say, hey, this, my daughter or, you know, or, you know, the mother of these children? Yeah, when, when? Yeah, when did you? Wow. I mean, I called him as soon as I realized and was told that Unique had been unaccounted for since that morning. Okay. Like, wait a minute, where is she? And then I'm calling her phone, I'm calling her phone, there's no, and my child has never not answered my phone calls as long as, you know, she's had some. Never. Did the police take it seriously, in your opinion? Yeah, yeah. From the beginning? Yes. No. Okay. Because I had to kind of like, you know, uh, let's just put it like, find my way through people that really, really gave a damn. Mm -hmm. And I'm still to this day trying to filter that out. You Mm -hmm. need to have eight detectives on her case. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. It's 
So what did they do? I mean, I know, I, and I we get this a lot, but uh, you know, every disappearance is unique. So you call it in. They, I guess, you filled out a police report, a missing persons report. Did did an I officer? Filled even... out the police, I filled out the police report. I um, started passing out flyers that my my youngest daughter Ashley started generating from an old little beat up printer that I had. Uh, we were generating flyers and, you know, flooding her neighborhood with flyers. Be- D.C. Police even had a flyer. And I'm not, you know, at this juncture, I do realize that, you know, the D.C. Police Department has been working unique case. And I'm not knocking them in any way. But I think I lost precious time. Right. When you're telling people... Track her phone. Track her phone. And you don't get certain, you know, phone records and things back. They can't make the phone company give them the records, you know, in a timely manner or anything like that. But all these types of things take time. And this is another reason why, you know, I advocate for other families. Because when I was in this in the beginning, I was like a fish out of water. I didn't know what to do. I had to learn these things over time, and I just, you know, like and love passing on what I learned to other families. But it was, you know, I personally, and maybe this is just because I'm her mother, I don't think they took it. Especially when it was in the the the, the, the police department uh, 17, where I had reported it at. And I say that from my own experience because I went in there on crutches with a boot on my leg that Monday. And I was turned away because I was told it was the holiday. What holiday was it in and the I middle of October? What, ho- what, what holiday is it in the middle of October? It was like Columbus Day, I believe it was. Oh, okay. That right. year. Alright. I believe it was like Columbus Day. Huh. And I was so furious. My dad had to really like calm me down. I bet. ask you some more questions, just some factual questions about this. So, you call the police, they're blowing you off at least a little bit, they're claiming it's a vacation. These are all things that I've heard before on 
brother dis- uh, disappearances, although this is the first one we've covered in Washington, D.C. But be- uh, in those days afterwards, you're passing out flyers, etc., did anybody ever come forward saying, yes, I might have seen Unique here or there or anywhere? Anybody you know, else? No. As far as the police department, now as far as information that yeah, anything the that, neighborhood canvassing, you know, there was some type of event that was going on on that block that night. Okay. Huh. Um, and you know, there were a lot of people out there, but my thing is, I still have a question in my mind. As far as, okay, well, there's, as far as unique building goes, there's only one way in and one way out. How did nobody see anything? Unique building is right on a corner. It's facing the fire department. Oh, my. And the 7th District Police Station is an L shape from her apartment. When we released b- balloons and one of the visuals that I have for you, think one of the balloons flew. As a matter of fact, it might have been more than one. I know I saw one. Flew in the direction of 7th Police Station. Hmm. And I'm just saying that I don't have any hostilities about the police department, especially now. You know, where, you know, I'm just going to be honest, I feel like since it was taken out of 70, it's gotten more, you know, focused. Okay. Okay. Because 70, like I said, they turned me away on crutches with a boot on my leg, looking for my missing daughter. Okay. So what you're saying is no credible sightings of unique... Uh, but it sounds like maybe, you know something. I don't know what it, what it was. Something was going on on our street. Some sort of uh, yeah, festival. Yeah, or... I don't know whether to call it a block party. Yeah, or... yeah. I, I can't give you specifics on that because I wasn't there. All right. Did you were you able? Information that I had garnered when I had been canvassing unique neighborhood and. You know, um, no, to some people, I still, at my own discretion, canvass unique neighborhood to this day. Mm-hmm. And I will not stop. But nobody that you, once again, go, being in the last 10 years, you've been through her neighborhood. Uh, nobody, for example, at this block party or whatever was, ever said they saw unique there. The, the, as far not, as you've been able to get Okay. Not that I know of. Okay. Were you quickly, being that you did go into the apartment and went through things, all these purses and everything else, um, you had told me, though, that she's not, she's missing, but the keys to her apartment and her phone are also missing. Is that correct? Yes, because I still don't have her phone to this day. Okay. Or her keys. All right. And... When you and when you and your father and Tiffany went over there, was the door to the apartment locked? I couldn't say whether it was locked because I wasn't the initial person to go over there. Okay. All right. That's will be something for uh, me to think about. Okay, so she's missing, but it seems, of course, being that she has many purses, maybe she took a purse, and being that she had so many that – Nobody realized it, or do you believe she left or was abducted without a purse? I 
Okay. All right. Okay. Let's move on to this. This is uh, so we have this police uh, involved. Although it sounds like, uh, like you said, from the the first second that this happened, you already felt like you were behind, losing time. A lot of people feel like that. Uh, let's move on to some other so things. Precious in these cases, baby. Yeah. Yes, precious it's time. So is up the and, and I can remember vividly to this day how I kept saying. Tracker phone, tracker phone, tracker phone, tracker phone. Mm-hmm. And we, I, because I even knew that much. Right. Right, of course. Well, let's talk about the apartment first, and then we can move on to that to the phone a little bit. But um, there were some various items that we have talked about. Uh, most importantly, and being that you mentioned this very early on in the conversation about her eyesight it not being very good, um, her glasses, though, were found in the apartment, the ones that she wore, what you believe to be all the time, were found in the apartment. Where were they found, and um, you know, is, how unusual would that for it to be for her to not to be wearing her glasses, etc.? Every waking moment, she needed her glasses. Number one. Hmm. Number two, her glasses were found on the pillow where she was sleeping, folded up. Unique's normal pattern. Mm-hmm. She's had that pattern for a while. Um, I used still purchase her glasses with sometimes, you know, pop her on her hand to make her take her glasses off. She got into a habit of putting her glasses on her pillow next to her, and I even asked her about it. I said, why do you do that? You're going to roll over on them and break them. No, Ma, it's more comfortable for me. All I have to do is reach over here and put them on my face. It's better for me here. I'm not going to roll over on them. And she never did. (laughs) And she never did. And I still have all her glasses. I found a second pair of her glasses in her apartment, in her things in her apartment, and then her primary pair of glasses I still have. To this day. And these were a pair of glasses that she was like so over the moon that she had finally got that she called me and sent me a picture of the glasses. And from that picture and that time frame on up, those were her primary glasses. Okay. All right, so they were on the bed and once again to your the way you remember it, and I know that sometimes this can be difficult, but you were there eventually. You weren't the first person, but one of the first people Did it look like her bed had been slept in or not, or was it nice and made and neat, or do you remember the condition of the bed? As I can remember, it had purses on it. It purses on it. It had purses on it. Okay. It was was an organized type of fashion, though. Mm. That's why I say I think that this was, you know, the purses being scattered was, you know, probably her Okay. All right. And I had already asked you about the front door if it was locked, but once again, to your knowledge, once again, these little things maybe can make a difference. Uh, Was it the type of door that locked automatically? For example, I live in what you might call an apartment. When I go out, I have to lock the door behind me or it will be unlocked. Is Is that the way her door was? 
top and bottom. Okay. And when the bottom knob was, you know, really damaged, but the top knob, yes, she had to lock it herself. All right, great. And and we determined that probably being you weren't the first person, but probably it was locked when somebody else showed up. All right. The children themselves, once again, I would not want you to say anything that would compromise anything, but in in talking to them, did they ever recall hearing anything that night? Any, you know, waking up, let's just pick a time, four in the morning, and hearing bumping or yelling that they thought maybe was outside, but it could have been something. Did, have the children remembered anything like that, to your knowledge? Not anything that they, you know, disclosed to me or talked to me about, no. Okay, so... It doesn't seem to me then that the that the kids heard anything, um, and you know you'd think that they would they would have said something. Being that, of course, with the two younger ones, their mother's missing. If they heard something, that you'd think they would have told. Maybe not the police because they might be scared, but they would tell you since you're their grandmother. Okay. Especially by now. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Exactly. Uh, regarding Tiffany, once the, again, this is the mother of the, the 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 great niece that was there, and did she offer up? Mean that you were there with her, you're talking to her. Uh, did she ever offer up any of her opinions about anything regarding Unique's disappearance at the time? Once again, I'm not telling you to say anything, but if you can offer anything, did she ever offer anything? Uh, oh no, when I did finally talk to Tiffany, um, she was. <laughs> about anything. She was just so, as a matter of fact, you know, she she couldn't even <laughs> comprehend mm-hmm. something like this happening. Right. Okay. And to this day, she still can't comprehend okay. something like this happening to Unique. They, as I said, they were very, very close. Unique was closer and is closer to her. Mm-hmm. Than you know some of my own nieces. Okay. And now I see why. The last ten years has taught me why. Tiffany has been very supportive, huh? She's been very helpful. Very supportive. There's mm-hmm. nothing that I will ask that child to do that she will not do. Okay. She, you know, made her daughter available. Okay. If I need her for, you know, and at this juncture, my great niece. Yeah. You know, she's, you know. 19 cool. now. She's 19. It, it's amazing. And, you know, it's a blessing because, you know, this is a very, very traumatic situation that her child and my great niece had to go through. This could have turned out, and a lot of people may not understand what I'm saying, but this could have turned out into an ugly situation. She could have barred me from her daughter. Yeah. Her daughter could have, you know, been so traumatized that, you know, she didn't want any contact with me as a remembrance. But to this day, both of them... <laughs> I mean, great. Good. Some of my dear, my jewels... Let's move on to this. We have talked about the phone a little bit. Uh, I, I, you've kind of said in passing that you and other people tried to call Unique, and of course she did not pick up. It sounds like it was going directly to voicemail as soon as somebody realized that uh, she was missing. Tiffany was trying to call her that day before you found out and wasn't getting any response from her. But 
it is public uh, uh, knowledge, uh, some of the accounts that I've read of Unique's disappearance, so I feel like I have to ask you about it, is there is this um, story about Unique did talk to somebody at 3 a.m., so very early October 10th, 2010. What can you tell uh, the listeners what you know about that phone call, and who was that phone call with? Well, I can tell at this juncture about that phone call is absolutely nothing because I'm pretty sure people understand that there are very, very critical um, pieces to this puzzle that need to be put together. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as my information that I have, yeah. that phone call has nothing to do with Unique's abduction that I know of. Mm-hmm. Now, I can only speak for myself. But you can verify she did talk to somebody at 3 a.m.? Yes. Okay. All right. That's the information that okay. I got. So we, okay, so we can verify that at least at 3 a.m. that Unique was okay. And so if she disappeared, it must have been after 3 a.m. that before the children woke up, which you said your best guess, you weren't there, it might have been 9 a.m. So in those somewhat of six hours is when Unique must have disappeared. Correct. And and my calculations of, you know, my own personal timeline. Okay. All right, let's move on to this regarding the phone records. You talked about the police trying to ping it and get the records. Do you know if the police have the phone records from back in 2010? Have they pinged the phone? What can you tell anything? What can you say? Well, as far as the pinging, that's where my um, urgency came in. Now, as far as if they got pinged, I don't know anything about that. They never, they've never talked to you about that. They've never disclosed to me whether her phone was pinging here, there, or none of that stuff. None at all. Okay. Well. It depends. And that was, you know, a source of my, you know, confusion because I thought those types of things were critical in a critical case like this. Okay. All right, so we don't know about, and that's, you know, uh, as I think I've told you already, in fact, I've given you maybe some pointers on how you might be able to get those phone records all these years later if the police do have them, but uh, some some of my guests have phone records, some of them don't. It just depends. As far as ping information, kind of the same thing. Some of my guests do end up getting the ping information, and some of them don't. It's very, it seems to be very uh, hit and miss, but maybe I, I can ask you this. After she disappeared, did anybody who you know you trust come forward and say, yeah, I did talk to uh, Unique that night and she seemed fine? Or do are we only sure of this one phone call at 3 a.m.? Yeah. But, um, you know, as far as anybody giving me any informational specific details yeah. of conversations, yeah. no. Yeah, no. All right. All right. So we're just not sure – uh, if she talked to anybody earlier in the evening, we don't know if she was talking to somebody at 9 or 10. Nobody's ever come forward and said, you know, that night that Unique disappeared, I talked to her. Nobody's ever said anything like that. Anybody else? No. Okay. Very good. All right. Speak. Let's uh, talk about the boyfriend a little bit. I know that maybe many of the listeners, just the way they are and the way I am too, they automatically become um, – very suspicious about boyfriends, ex-boyfriends, uh, husbands, ex-husbands, but 
He has a pretty good alibi. Why don't you tell the listeners where everybody believes, including the police, where they believe he was the night that – or the early morning that that um, Unique disappeared? What was he doing? Well, from my information that I've received, he was where he was supposed to be. Okay. For my information. Okay. Now, well, as far as have I, you know, investigated it any further? Mm-hmm. You know, no. Did the police look into that? Do you know? I have. I don't know. Only thing I know is what I've been told, and that that avenue he was he was there where he was supposed to be. And if you can say where was he? Where do you believe he uh, was? Where does he say he was? In Job Corps, in a totally different state. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you, uh, it is also on the record uh, that he was given a polygraph test. Did he pass it? As I, don't, I have no idea. Um, well, let me let me be clear as far as the polygraph because I've had quite a few people contact me and reference through polygraph questions. Yeah. All I know is what I've been told by the D.C. Police Department, and that was that these people have been being polygraphed. Okay. Now, as far as the the specific determinations from those polygraphs, I've been told that, you know, these people, I would have passed them. That's what you've been told. I know. I've never heard the word didn't pass or word okay. didn't pass polygraph. Okay. Okay. I understand. And that's just, you know, the way it is. You know, I, I've never been given specific I, details as far as whether it's pass or fail. Okay. And I realize, I, and I think the listeners realize that it's not like they're going to allow you to sit there while he's taking a polygraph test, of course. And of course, and the only they don't come back, and then they will not come back and tell you. I have to add this right, part right. to add. Yeah. They will not come back and tell you, you know, specific details because all you're going to hear is you can't compromise the case. Right. As I said, I don't know. I can't even count how many times I will be the last person to compromise your case, but. On the other side of that, I do understand that they have to protect the integrity mm. of the investigation. Right. I get that point, too. But I'm her mother mm-hmm. is where I get my frustration at non-answers. Right. Yeah, I get it. And I understand that. You aren't you aren't conducting these tests. You're not doing it. You're doing the best that you can, but... It's not like uh, you have the power to interrogate people like the police can't. You know, get somebody in a room and you know, or anything like that. And we get that. And of course, once again, they're not going to allow you to sit in while somebody's being given a lie detector test. But I, I feel like I just have to ask you because once again, that is something that is out there in, in the public sphere. You know, you might say. But you're saying that polygraphs were given. You believe that you've been told that they passed them, but that may not be the truth. You just don't know. Well, as far as I know, they've been given the test, and what those results were, I can't elaborate on because I don't know. 
Okay. Now you uh, stated very early in this conversation that you got to talk to her boyfriend. Once again, the guy she was dating at the time. And I'm going to state again that the the popular belief, the 99% assurity, is that he was in an entirely different state when she disappeared. But you got to speak to him one-on-one and look him in the eye, and maybe you can explain how that conversation went. Well, surprisingly, um, I don't want to say comforting, but I would probably say relieving, because I was looking to sense, um, you know, and I know these are not all things that are just indicative, you know, you know, totally, to guilt or innocence, but Mm -hmm. I was looking for somebody to be, you know, nervous, you know, not maintaining eye contact where, you know, mannerisms would have told me, you know, one way or another. I got none of these indicators. I got none of these indicators, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, he seemed to me to be very forthcoming. Did he ever? That's all I can say at this point. Okay. Did he ever tell you the last time that he spoke to Unique before she disappeared? No. Okay. Uh, did he participate in any of the searches and vigils and everything that you did back at the time and since then? Did he ever participate in any of them? No, but I never reached out to him directly. Okay. All right, and in your conversation with him, once again, looking him in the eye, uh, did he ever offer up his own theory as to what could have happened to Unique? Just his opinion. Did he ever offer up one? No, actually, he seemed kind of like distraught and befuddled Mm -hmm. at the whole scenario. No, never offered up any, well, maybe this or maybe that. No. Okay. And if and once again, we're not using his name, um, but once the way you understand it, has he been in it? How what has he done with his life over the last ten years? Uh, to your knowledge, has he ever been charged with any violence toward women, anything like that? Once again, to your knowledge, not to my knowledge. Okay, all right. Let's just talk about um, Unique's ex for a little bit. Once again, we're not using his name. Uh, he's living in Richmond at the time. Do you know if the police spoke to him about Unique's disappearance? As far as I know, they did. Okay. Do you have as any? As far as I know, um, yeah, they had a specific conversation with him. Now, what the results of that was, you know, it always has been one of those things that a source of, well, why can't what's going on as far as those things. Mm-hmm. But, once again, her, me as her mother, I understand the integrity of the investigation, but, you know, at this juncture, 10 years, Okay, that's all I can say. All right. And you've already stated in this conversation that there was an idea out there from somewhere that they were due to have some sort of uh, another hearing regarding uh, maybe child support payments or something, but he told you after she disappeared that he didn't know anything about that. He told you that. That's what he told me. He didn't know anything about um, that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. 
And it was he, once again, the same question as we went with through the, through the boyfriend. Uh, was he given a lie detector test? Did he take it? And it was it kind of the same thing with the boyfriend? Do you know if he passed it or not? As far as I know, my grandson's father was polygraphed eight months huh. after Unique was taken. Okay. And I don't, I've never heard the words passed or failed in that polygraph. Okay. I understand. Now, but I do have to ask you this. After she disappeared, of course, she has two children. Uh, who got custody of the children after Unique disappeared? Okay. And he raised those kids in Richmond? Yes. Okay. All right. So at some point, after Unique didn't come back, after a certain amount of time, uh, he got custody, and I guess that makes sense, being that he's the father. And I think this also shows that uh, the police couldn't have been too concerned about that, him being uh, you know, a person of interest, being that the children went to him. In talking to him, once again, just you and him talking, did he ever offer up his own theory as to what happened to Unique? Well, I, I've got, I haven't had any direct conversations with him in reference to anything like this. Mm -hmm. um, now, as far as other conversations I've been hearing, you know, other conversations that he's been having, but, you know, that... I can't speak on because it wasn't a conversation with me. All right. So to you, he's never offered up his own theory. No, not to me, no. Okay. That's all That's all I'm concerned about. Okay. So he got custody of the children. I, I, I don't know what kind of relationship you have with him. None of my business, none of our business. But uh, he talked to him, I guess, at some point about Unique's disappearance, and he never offered up his own theory. Uh, I'll just ask you this. Did he seem um, any, you know, saddened by it or anything like that? Being that you talked about the boyfriend who seemed distraught about her missing, would you say that uh, her ex exhibited the same emotions or different ones? Not in front of me. No emotions. No emotions. Okay. No emotions. Not in front of me. I mean, you know, the couple of times I've seen him in passing, you know, no. But as far as, you know, we having conversations, no, that's never, that hasn't happened. Okay. All right. So we have, and once again, I have to ask you these questions because, uh, you know, boyfriends, husbands, ex-boyfriends, ex-husbands, they play a, sometimes play a large a role in the disappearances of women. Very, very common, and that's why I have to ask you this. But it sounds to me like the police, at least at this point 10 years later, are it somewhat seems satisfied that one guy was in a totally different state and the other guy was 90 miles away. So, And I guess their alibis haven't been cracked in the last 10 years. And, of course, that certainly means something. I guess that's certainly important. They can't be two places at one time. Okay. Um, let me just ask you some uh, additional questions uh, about Unique herself. Being that we talked about this phone call at, at 3 in the morning, and I know that in this call 
or in this interview, um, you know, you haven't revealed who that call was with. Of course, you and I have both talked about it. But was it common for her to talk to people in general at 3 a.m. on the phone, to your knowledge? My daughter was a, a, a phone hugger. <laughs> she okay. was back then, she, I mean, it's like, <laughs> now, fast forwarding in and now, Unique is a phone hugger. Okay. Yeah. Now, as far as when she was on the phone all the time, no, I can't even tell you that. Okay. I can't even tell you that. Right. I'm just being completely okay. honest about that. I can't tell you, you know, whether she would or wouldn't have at okay. 3 o'clock. Okay. So we just don't know. And I guess none of her friends, Tiffany or anybody else, has ever come forward to say, oh, yeah, she used to talk to me at 3 in the morning all the time. Nothing like that. No, nothing like that. Okay. Um, I have to ask you this uh, once again, just in my position. Could you ever imagine a scenario where she would leave – voluntarily leave those kids in the bed and go out by herself? Can you ever imagine no. a scenario like that no. at all? No, and that's, that's one of the um, – that's one of the, you know, hard parts of this whole thing for me is um, – my lost time. I have, and I carry to this day, a guilt of a lost time. Mm-hmm. I personally, yeah. and this is not to, you know, denigrate anybody else because everybody reacts to things the way they know how to. And me as her mother, the minute that she wasn't there in the morning, yeah. when those babies woke up, I would have known, wait a minute, something ain't right. Something ain't right. Something is not right. All right, so you can't even, once again, I didn't didn't know, I don't know Unique, of course, you being her mother. You can't imagine a scenario of her maybe just going out at, once again, I'll just pick a time, two in the morning just to take a walk around the block and leave those kids in the apartment by themselves. No. Okay. Thank you. I'm just. I need to ask. All right. Uh, I have to ask you this: Could there have been some other new man in her life uh, besides her boyfriend? Is anything like that ever popped up in the last ten years? No, I haven't heard of anything like that. Okay. And regarding your, your daughter, and once again, these sometimes these things happen in disappearances. Is there anything that you found out? Of, and I would not ask you to reveal what it was, but I have to ask. Have you ever found out anything about Unique after she disappeared that you didn't know before she disappeared? Something that, you know, um, I'm not saying this, but maybe uh, an addiction or anything like that at all. Anything. No, actually there have been a couple of things that um, maybe I don't think the police department thought I knew. Okay. But I knew. About my daughter. Mm-hmm. That's how close we were. So, you know, no. Okay. All right. So nothing that would have put her in a compromising position, a dangerous position where somebody might be after her or anything like that. You've never heard anything like that. My daughter has never been an alcoholic, a drug user. Anything like that. So all those things that, you know, we see as, 
Okay. I got you. This no, question, no, I, and I believe, and I believe you, and I believe, I want you to know, and the listeners should know, I believe you. Okay, but in my position as a reporter, I just have to answer these questions, give you a chance to uh, answer them, and you know, stick up for your for your daughter. Oh, I appreciate you taking an interest in unique story, Ed, especially during a pandemic, because I've had you know an uphill battle, you know, keeping unique name and face and story out there. And um, I just really, really appreciate you taking an interest. Viruses don't stop us at Unfound. <laughs> Viruses don't stop us. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're welcome. Uh, this is uh, this is where I have to ask, uh, you know, another tough question, probably the toughest question of this entire interview. How tough have the last last ten years been? Been. Oh, thank you. Uh, ten years equals a decade. Yep. I want all of your listeners and viewers and members to close their eyes and imagine not with their child regardless of the child's age for one second and that's what the last 10 years has been like for me you know I've had even close family members in conversations with me where I say it's been however many years one, two, three, four, five take a pick all the way up to ten without my child and their response to me was it's not one through ten years yet what I want to say to that person is a decade is a decade. Ten years is ten years. How would they feel if they hadn't had any type of human contact, whether a phone call, whether a hug, whether a kiss, whether just a vision of looking at their child. Huh. I have to breathe. I have to breathe. How is, if I can ask, how is your other daughter and your son handled this last 10 years? We've been through hell. We've been through hell. I can't even describe. And as you know, I'm a woman of words, many words. But I have no words to describe 
are other children, my grandchildren, never even got a chance for their aunt to hold them in her arms. Because he's only six. My granddaughter, who's 10, she was born in July. 2010. Wow. One of the pictures that I have that is one of my most treasured pictures is of Unique holding her. Unique was so happy to have a niece, a little girl. Unique had already bought things for my granddaughter, but she has not had the opportunity to see her sons grow, her niece grow, or her nephew even be born. Because some savage away from Unique. Took it away from her. Because even if she comes back tomorrow, Unique's life, my life, and my family's life will never, ever be the same. Because Unique was taken. And that's one of the things that, you know, over time, time has healed. But that's one of the things that really, really infuriated me in the beginning was that my child doesn't deserve what's happened to her. She doesn't deserve it. And I'm not even going to talk about me, her sons, or anybody else. But Unique, this story is about Unique. It's not about me. It's not about Unique's son. It's not about Unique's sibling. It's not about Unique. It's not about her grandparents. It's not about none of that. This story is about Unique. A human being that has been barbarically ripped away from her family. And one thing that really, really, just really, really just makes my heart and my soul bleed for this person, or person, is that their conscience hasn't even caught up with them in 10 years for them to say, I did this. What does that say? And we're talking about before COVID-19. What does that say about the world we live in? Where anybody, and I mean anybody, I'm seeing the story today 
about this other young lady in Louisville, Kentucky. You know, money can't bring her back. I want my daughter back. And as God is my witness, I'm not going to stop unless I'm no more looking for her. And I think you already know that, Ed. Oh, I know that. I have no <laughs> doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. You already know that. You mm-hmm. already know that. No family is... And I'm not going to say mother's father because, you know, I, I had to really, really do some soul searching on the fact in the beginning. I was just talking about, oh, mothers were missing kids and mothers were murdered kids. And, you know, and, and I put fathers... Stepfathers with a deceased biological mother in my arena over these last 10 years to see it's too much heartache and pain out here. It's way too much heartache and pain. It's way too much heartache and pain are not supposed to not know where their children are. Parents are not supposed to be burying their children. That's indicative of how upside down That's right. this world is it's right the now. Op- yeah. The opposite of the way things would be. Children re- realize that their parents are going to die someday, and they'll have to be responsible for all those arrangements. But parents uh, don't have kids, you know, thinking that they'll. Unique, unique is because I have no firm evidence that she's gone. Unique mm-hmm. is my oldest child, so that means I was already teaching her. Okay, unique. If something happens to me, this is where you find these yeah. things. Yep. If something happens to me, this is a little, you know, stash away of money. You know what I'm saying? I do, yes. Yeah. Do you have, I know you do, but I, I know you want to tell everybody about it. I, do you have a Facebook page, website, anything else uh, set up for unique uh, disappearance? And I have to ask you this. Being that this is going to be coming up, you know, in less than a month, the, the ten, unfortunately, the 10-year anniversary, do you have any special events planned? If you do, tell the listeners about all of that right now. And let me tell you this. Unique has had for ooh, all these 10 years managed to garner some of the most wonderful supporters. She has a page... Unique Raquel Lehona Harris, come home now. That's U N I Q E, capital R A, capital Q U E L, hyphen, capital L E O N A, Harris, capital C O M E, capital H O M E, home now. Mm-hmm. Facebook page, she has an awaiting. Unique Safe Return Facebook page that her sister started. Okay. Um, Of course, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. 
um, my primary email address is Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, underscore, V-A-L, that's V-A-L, mm-hmm. 627 at yahoo.com. Any tips? from any of your viewers that know, heard anything, or even if they just have ideas to try to help me to progress unique case forward. And as I said, I'm awaiting unique safe return because my Facebook page started getting too crazy. So my personal Facebook page is pretty much inactive now. Okay. And I've just put my primary focus on unique um, unique Raquel Leona Harris come home now page and awaiting unique safe return page and my Instagram of course I'm at Valencia Harris on Instagram um, on Twitter um, H-A-R-R-I-S underscore V-A-L 627 at Y-A on Twitter um, okay. and I have a GoFundMe page, of course, your viewers probably already know about. If not, they can go on Unique um, social media and get links to that. Um, and okay. I'm just going to keep on pushing it. I'm just going to keep on pushing. And I do plan to have another event for Unique, but I've had like, what, I think like 13, 14, or 15 vigils, um, mm-hmm. you know, a birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I called it a, uh, I think it was like a brunch for Unique. Um, and I plan on doing another event, but I'm sure your viewers and your listeners can understand that, you know, these things that's going through this. Yeah. And I said, parents, that's going through this. It's an event for the people that are coming. But us, we have to dig into our souls to do these things. Because yeah. all yeah. events that we plan, we want to plan with our children. Yeah. So if we're planning something for our children, and our children are not here, that puts these things into a totally different context. To be quite honest with you, I don't know how I made it through as many visuals. I even had a march for Unique. And we were out there in the rain <laughs> with umbrellas. Her godmother came from North Carolina. You know, it was just like a, a weather mess, but we were out there just marching. I actually had a march for my daughter, you know, to bring awareness to this. And I think the thing that I can say for all of us that are in these scenarios, whether it's a missing person, whether it's a, you know, a a victim of violence or gun violence or, you know, sex trafficking, human trafficking, exploitation, you know, whatever it is, all of us families in these scenarios our followers and our supporters that really, really stick their neck out on the line for us, you know, like I had a meeting with the mayor. I was shocked at how many people contacted me in reference to Unique's meeting with the mayor. It was like, you know, Mayor Muriel Bowser and, you know, 
when we did the Maury Povich show and The View, it was like such an outpouring of love. These things give family that latch that we can hold on to, that we can keep moving. That we just, regardless of what comes our way, we're going to keep moving. We're going to keep moving. I say it all the time. Not only can I not let Unique down, but I cannot let her sons, I cannot let her followers, I cannot let all the people that have donated to her go fund me. I cannot let all the people that have purchased Nick Harris exclusive wear, you know, T-shirts, hats, and things. I cannot, you know, it's just not enough of me to... Thank you just seems like it's so minuscule when we're in these positions. You and Emily have no idea what a light you all were. When you all contact. Oh, you're very welcome. That's what we do. Because this, and you, you know, you're so cavalier and nonchalant about it, so it just makes me jealous. Makes me jealous, and you're so nonchalant, cavalier, and you know, I, I get it, and you know, it, it, it gets to a point where I don't think you all understand the value of you all to. We couldn't even get these stories out, especially now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm still to this day, and people don't understand, I still to this day try to contact, you know, like ID Channel and, you mm-hmm. know, all these, you know, yeah. Nancy Grace. I, I mean, I still try to contact all these places, and when we get any type of love and compassion and concern, it's priceless. You guys are priceless to us, especially well, right you. now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah well, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, Valencia, any, uh, you've said a lot there, and I appreciate all those words. I agree with all of it. And, uh, I, you know, I don't have any missing people in my family. I've never had any family members murdered or anything like that. So I don't know what it's like, you know, to be in your shoes at all. But because of that, as I've told many other guests, you know, because these things haven't happened to me, that I feel like myself and anybody else who hasn't had it happen to them, uh, we have a responsibility to give back. You know, we have a responsibility to help people out like yourself who it's happening to every second. You know, being that, you know, however you want to put it, we haven't had it happen to us, so we try to make the life better for all of you. You know, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to do that. And you do. You guys really make a difference. Um, you know, I come from a generation where, you know, the TV screens went off to a blank, snowy screen after a certain hour. Yeah. You know, all we had were phones in the house, you know, the old phones with the coil cord. Yeah, I know. I'm old enough. I'm 50. I'm old enough to remember. Yes, unfortunately. So you know what I I'm know. talking about. Yes, they'd play the they'd play the national anthem and then the screen would go to fuzz at two in the morning. Exactly. So you all, I just wanted to throw that in there to let you all know how valuable you all are to our family 
place right now. Just think about if I was in this situation with Nick 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, I know. I get it. Uh, I cover disappearances that are that old, so I know. Family's telling me about how we wish we would have had the internet back then. We wish we would have had the yeah. I this person for almost 80 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we covered one on the program. Yeah, we covered one that was we covered one that was seventy five years old. Yeah, not that long ago, earlier this year. Yeah, yeah, seventy five years. Yeah, yeah. And it's only getting worse. A lot of missing people out there. It's only getting worse because I never, ever, ever, and I always taught my children about safety and you know that sort of thing, but I never. I never, ever, ever imagined that this situation would darken my door. Never, never. So all of these people out here that think it will never happen to them, they need to join your discussion. They need to join these missing persons and, you know, all of these horrific stories that a lot of people, and I can understand, this is like too much for human consumption. How these things are happening. Because it was too much beyond my imagination. I heard a lot of stories and I was all like, oh my God, you know, send a prayer for the family and, you know, sympathize. But I could never empathize until 10 years ago. And now that's why I'm determined to make Unique's name, Relisha Ruth's name, Christian Muse's name, uh, Kia Eggleston's name, and so many other names that right now I need my list. I need my lips. It's unbelievable. It is. It's unbelievable. And that's why, you know, I don't want you all to shortchange yourselves. Oh, please don't. Because if you all start shortchanging yourselves and doubt yourselves, our family can't forget it. As far as, you know, getting the stories out. Thank you. Thank you. We've said a lot there, Valencia, but uh, I have to ask you, any final words before we complete this interview? Ooh, I have one final thought. And this goes out to my daughter, Unique. Unique, if you're out there and you can hear your mother's voice, I want you to know that I have never stopped looking for you, and I will never stop looking for you and beating these streets and wherever else I have to go and whatever else 
I have to do to find you. You are not forgotten. Your mom loves and misses you beyond my words. And I want you to do what I always taught you to do. Pray. Lindsay, I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. I appreciate you taking the time, Ed, because we had a little rocky roller coaster for a while. But mm. just like anything else, God moves mountains and obstacles out of my way. I've said it, you know, so many times before. Anybody that's not in it to win it is just in my way. <laughs> And I'm willing to stand on a mountain of no's to get to that one yes that will be the diamond in the rough or the ram in the bush that God has for unique. Thank you. Thank you. And that was my interview with Valencia Harris, mother of Unique Harris. I thank her for joining me and all of you on the program. As I stated in the summary before the interview played, this is a tough disappearance for me to analyze because the two best suspects seemingly have solid alibis, the boyfriend being in West Virginia and the father of Unique's children in Richmond. How could they have gotten to D.C.? without anyone knowing. Also, what are the odds that Unique spoke to someone at 3 a.m. and she disappears right after that and that person has nothing to do with it? That's pretty coincidental. However, to be clear, the reason Valencia didn't want to mention who Unique spoke to at 3 a.m. is because in mentioning this person's name, Valencia is afraid all the attention will be put on this person in her opinion, for no good reason. But the ex has the same issue. How convenient is it that Unique disappeared during a time when they were having custody problems? Not to mention that the ex got custody of their children after Unique disappeared and now has to pay zero child support. That's also pretty convenient. As for the murder that Unique witnessed a few weeks before she disappeared, I found an account of it. Here's how it reads. On Sunday, September 12th, 2010, shortly after 1 a.m., officers from the 7th District responded to the 2400 block of Hartford Street Southeast for the report of a shooting. Upon arriving, they discovered a victim lying on the ground, suffering from gunshot wounds. D.C. Fire and emergency medical services personnel responded and transported the victim to a local area hospital where he was subsequently pronounced dead. Preliminary investigation revealed that the decedent and a subject were involved in an altercation and the same subject apparently had been shot as well. Further investigation revealed that the suspect had arrived at a local area hospital with a gunshot wound. The victim has been identified as 31-year-old Leroy Bryant of Hartford Street Southeast. The suspect has been identified as 36-year-old Catrell Austin Henry 
of Southeast Washington, D.C. Mr. Henry was arrested and charged with first-degree murder while armed. What I get from this article is that police pretty much had all the evidence they needed once they found Cottrell Austin Henry. And it sounds like they found him fairly quickly. So this doesn't seem like a situation where Unique would have been a key witness and that somebody killed Unique so she couldn't testify. Not at all. Thus, I'm inclined to agree with police that Unique's disappearance and the murder have nothing to do with one another. However, the murder does indicate that this area could be dangerous. If, let's say, Unique decided to go for a walk by herself after she spoke on the phone that night, but she wouldn't go for a walk without her glasses, right? That takes us back to the apartment itself. Is it possible Unique got contacts without anyone knowing? That would account for the glasses being there. But you'd think people who knew Unique best would know if she got them, right? So it's safe to assume Unique still used her glasses to see clearly. This leads me to a paradox if Unique really was blind without her glasses and slept on the couch. Why were her glasses neatly folded on her bed a room away? On the other hand, if Unique moved to her bed at some point and put her glasses there, why didn't the bed look slept in? Valencia said it had purses on it. And if Unique made her bed after sleeping in it, wouldn't she have worn her glasses to make it? That takes me to the second part of the paradox. If Unique was abducted and wasn't wearing her glasses right at that second, what kind of abductor would allow her to lock the apartment door on the way out? Really, would a kidnapper even allow her to grab her keys? Probably not. On the other hand, if Unique went out and locked the door behind her all on her own, why wasn't she wearing her glasses? Yep, those points are stumpers. But if you will go back to the murder article for a moment, look at what it mentions. The killing happened after 1 a.m. outside, and Unique witnessed it, proving that she was normally awake at this time and wearing her glasses. So why wasn't she wearing her glasses at that early morning hour when she disappeared? I think if we could figure this out, we would be much closer to determining what happened while the children slept. I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.